Hey, y'all. It's the NPR Politics Podcast here with day three from the Republican convention in Cleveland. And my, oh, my, oh, my, it was not boring. We heard from VP nominee Mike Pence, who was overshadowed totally by Senator Ted Cruz. And there was a dash of some 2020 drama mixed in. We have so much to discuss. Let's just get to it. I'm Sam Sanders, campaign reporter. I'm Asma Khalid. I cover demographics and the campaign. And I'm Domenico Montanaro, political editor. Okay. Three days in, how are we holding up? All right. It's feeling good. Considering you asked me that question at, what, 12.06 a.m., <laughs> I'm doing totally fine. Yeah. But that it means we've it. moved on to the next day. Bring it on. Domenico is so excited. I am. No. Have, I'm it's, amped. Amped. You come off TV, you know, it's like a lot of adrenaline. And you're just I see like, that little humble oh. brag. <laughs> like when you come off TV. There was, there was so much going on tonight. The plot lines of this convention are beginning to resemble the Kardashian family tree. Oh, man. Like, it is just. Wow. And let's start with, the, like, the biggest piece of drama, Ted Cruz. He uh, had previously called Donald Trump a narcissist, a pathological liar, a lot of other stuff. Donald Trump had kind of said that his wife is not good looking and said that his dad might have killed JFK. (laughs) Remember that? There were a lot of allegations been thrown around. Anyways, they were going to bury the hatchet this week. Ted Cruz was scheduled to speak at the convention tonight. There's also been speculation that he is going to run in 2020 and he's trying to get things set up for that. But tonight in his speech... He did not endorse Donald Trump. When the speech started, Ted Cruz, who was always a very good speaker, was getting some applause. And he congratulated Donald Trump at the outset. I want to congratulate Donald Trump on winning the nomination last night. But over the course of the speech, Domenico, the crowd began to realize that he wasn't going to endorse. This was straight out of WWE. Yeah. Like, I mean, yes. the only thing missing were, like, the steel chairs. You know? so I admit so I don't watch WWE, but I will take that analogy at your work. So let's hear the moment where the crowd actually began to kind of realize. It was so high drama. Stand and speak and vote your conscience. Vote for candidates up and down the ticket who you trust to defend our freedom and to be faithful to the Constitution. And Ted Cruz then said he appreciated their enthusiasm. New York delegation. Yep. I appreciate the enthusiasm of the New York delegation. And this went on. We must make the most of our moment. And on. To fight for freedom. And on. To protect our God-given rights. So I was standing between the Texas and the Colorado delegations, and you know Ted Cruz was on stage, and then all of a sudden you started hearing this commotion. It sounded like cheers, and that's because Donald Trump was actually coming into the arena from the back, making his way through the audience chairs to take his seat. And all of this was going on while Ted Cruz was still speaking. He hadn't actually finished his talk. God bless each and every one of you, and God bless the United States of America. Was that on purpose to just overshadow oh, yeah. and drama? Come on. Why? It's so, oh my God. Do you not watch reality TV? <laughs> this is what that was. This it is was, the, they this knew, is the staging. Yes. This is Cruz. the real Housewives of GOP convention. <laughs> <laughs> but then there's real people at stake here. I mean, if you look at the family, right? You look at Donald Trump's family, they clearly knew what was coming because they were sitting on their hands, stone faced, oh really upset. When you looked at Donald Trump Jr., and I don't think the crowd began to realize on its own. Really? There were some Explain. shenanigans going on 
behind the scenes. Well, I would just say we got the prepared remarks beforehand, the embargoed remarks. You look for the word endorse. It wasn't there. But we're like, you know, these guys go off script. Like maybe he'll endorse. Maybe he won't. And then I got a phone call uh, from a convention source who said they can confirm that Cruz was not going to endorse and that there was they predicted severe blowback. So we're coming into all of this crazy. Uh, a night after Donald Trump officially clinched the nomination, there were cheers and seemingly it was unified on the floor. Is all of that gone? No. What? I mean, like, I don't think all of it's shot. Look, I was standing by this Texas delegation. They are overwhelmingly Cruz supporters. And there were folks who thought that, that their guy had been wronged. I mean, there were a lot of grumbles about what? What did Donald Trump just do that? He upstaged our man. I mean, that was the, right. the thinking initially. People were really upset. But then afterwards, I pulled a couple people aside. And, and one guy told me that Ted Cruz should have endorsed Donald Trump. That or the not come, decided. right? I mean, he didn't say not come. He said the parties decided. <laughs> so my, my thing with this is like... We talk about how these these conventions are like wedding receptions you know but like you can't like be in love with the bride and then like show up at the wedding <laughs> and then give that drunk toast where oh, you God. reveal too much <laughs> like most people just suck it up and they like congratulate the couple and move on send or, a food processor call it a day you either or you don't come yeah. Or you have a plan, like in The Graduate, where like they run away together. If none of that's going to happen, you're going to have problems. And you have problems and What tonight. was so interesting is Ted Cruz was being adored by this audience at the beginning. I mean, adored. people were eating up. I would say yeah. it was one of the best received oh, yeah. speeches And at I've the said outset. for months, he is he was the best speaker of this campaign. Yeah, and look, I think, so Asma, I think Asma and I disagree with, on this just a little bit. We might have some overlap, but I think this was a giant mistake by Ted Cruz. Because if he thinks that what he's doing is he's going to become the anti-Trump and he's going to lead the anti-Trump movement in 2020 if he thinks Donald Trump is going to lose, he needs the people in this hall and the 14 million people who voted for Donald Trump if he's going to win the nomination next time around. I mean, think about this. Ted Cruz came up through the Tea Party, right? Like, who are his people if he's not able to win over Donald mm -hmm. Trump, folks? The intelligentsia of the Republican Party Ain't like going him. to Ted Cruz, okay? That's not who they like. I would look more at someone like Paul Ryan, who has tried to walk and this And who can balance. show restraint yes. in a way that Ted Cruz has not. Right. But I, to play devil's advocate, wonder, well, what if Donald Trump has a massive historical loss this, this November, right? What if he is completely sort of wiped clean and Hillary Clinton has a really dominant win? Then the argument could be that because Donald Trump is defeated so resoundingly that, that Ted Cruz can come out and say, well, hey, look, I, I was never with the Trump. I was never on the Trump train. So, so so I'm the guy you should go with. Whereas Paul Ryan and Marco Rubio maybe lose credibility in that way. But that is a huge gamble. That assumes self-realization and self-awareness that I don't think exists here. I don't think that that is the kind of... I mean, you saw with the Democratic Party, it took them a very long time. I mean, they were out of power in the, in the White House from 68 all the way to 1992, except for Jimmy Carter's term in 1976. It took a long time for them to come around to the realization that they couldn't keep electing super liberal candidates and think they were going to win. They wound up settling on Bill Clinton, who tried to go this third way. So, okay, here's my big question. We have known for a while that there has been bad blood between... Ted Cruz I can only and think Donald of that Trump. song, Bad Blood. And like expecting, <laughs> no, but expecting, expecting. Are you going to sing Ted, it to him? Oh, no, I'm not. All but right, I'm right. saying expecting Ted Cruz to endorse Donald Trump will be like expecting Katy Perry to endorse 
Taylor Swift. Oh. So how did this happen? How did they even let him on the stage? That's Why did Trump say yes analogy. to that? Well, because he, so Ted Cruz is being too cute here, okay? Donald Trump said, come and speak. Well, if I ask you to come to my house, I expect that you're going to be civil, right? You're not going to try to, like, toss me in the pool, right? So, like, <laughs> you know, and, like, and so, you know, what Donald Trump just decided, they, because I asked their campaign, I said, like, why would you still let him speak if this was going to happen? And they were just like, Donald Trump's going to be the bigger man. They knew the drama that they were setting up. You know, Donald Trump, I'm sure, is looking at the ratings of the convention, the way he looks at everything else, and he thinks, ah, so what? Because the end of the night ended on Mike Pence, who sort of became like the soother here, which is what the establishment of the party hopes he can become. And he he did what a vice presidential pick is supposed to do. Uh, you know, he validated Donald Trump. He called for unity. And, you know, he even tried to reach out to Democrats in a way to say, talk about his conversion story to becoming a Republican since he had been a Democrat, on, you know, through uh, voting for Ronald Reagan. So let's hear a clip of uh, that speech from Pence. There's been a lot of talk about how Trump and Pence actually have very different temperaments. And Pence kind of riffed on that for a bit. I'll grant you he can be a little rough with politicians on the stage, and I'll bet we see that again. But I've seen this good man up close, his utter lack of pretense, his respect for the people who work for him, and his devotion to his family. And if you still doubt what I'm saying, remember, as we say back home, you can't fake good kids. How about his amazing children? Aren't they something? Do they actually say that in Indiana, Asma? Because you're Not from there. Not that I recall, but it is a good line. I'll give him that. I mean, I think that <laughs> the Governor Hoosier Pence... In the in the, uh, in the booth. <laughs> I think that Governor Pence really needed to do two things today. He's not very well known outside of the state of Indiana, mm-hmm. and he acknowledged that, that he's not familiar. So, A, I think he just needed to sort of get allow people to get acquainted with him um, and, and sort of like him. I think he did that. And then the other thing that I think he was trying to do, and you heard that right there in the clip, is really boost up Trump and give him some credibility on a human level. And he did that, I think, when he acknowledged, like, look at this guy, regardless of what folks say, he has raised solid kids. And so much of what we've seen in the previous nights of this convention have been very, very strident attacks on Clinton. Uh, Pence did that. He did go after Hillary Clinton, but in a more subdued kind of way. Yeah, not quite not, the strident. No like, yeah. a, no, like, allusions to Lucifer. He wasn't chanting. There was no locker up that he said. Uh, but here's a cut from one of his attack lines. People in both parties are restless for change, ready to break free of old patterns in Washington. And Democrats are about to anoint someone who represents everything this country is tired of. You know, Hillary Clinton wants a better title, and I would, too, if I was already America's secretary of the status quo. Well, look, I mean, Governor Pence has prided himself as somebody who does not like negative campaigning, which yeah. is what I think makes him and Donald Trump such an interesting odd couple. He also knows the line, right? Like, he's very aware. The crowd started chanting, lock, lock her, her up. up, lock her up. Right? Which While they've been doing for the last speaking, few nights. You saw him pause as the proud father on that stage 
of a United States Marine, let me say from my heart. And you know for a second there he's thinking, do you go with the crowd or how do I transition them away to continue so he doesn't my like speech? That kind of stuff. Well, he knew that that might be going too far and he didn't want to buy into what's become the three-word motto of this of this convention. You heard uh, Senator Jeff Flake of Arizona say he thinks that that's going too far. Of course, he's not a pro-Trump person by any stretch, but I think establishment Republican leaders who want to stay focused on the facts don't feel that comfortable using that kind of language. Let's also talk about how Trump and Pence actually came in today. Uh, they were on a helicopter. I did not see this. You did, <laughs> Talking Domenico. About drama. Oh, man, I saw. So Donald Trump decides to fly in on his Trump plane, right? Yeah. Then he walks not too far to his Trump helicopter, and then they fly around. And Wait, the plane to the helicopter? plane to the helicopter. Yeah, he had to get here from New York. He didn't take the helicopter from New York. But the best part of all this, considering what happened with Ted Cruz on this stage tonight, uh-huh. was that just as Ted Cruz was having, doing this warm-up event in Cleveland today, he was going, you know, we have a nominee. Our party now has a nominee. And then all and of a sudden, it was like, shh. Wait, the helicopter came the, by? The, uh, the plane, like, buzzed the tower. No, like with Trump on gun. the plane? Yeah. That was pretty well orchestrated. And he, like, shouts out to his, like, former campaign manager. He's like, Jeff, did you email them to fly the plane right when I said that? Did you email them to tell them to do that at this exact moment? Oh my he was just goodness. like laughing about it. And I wonder in that moment if he was just like, you know what? I don't care. They are petty and a half. They are I don't petty think, and a no, half. I'm sorry. I think it just was coincidence. Mm. I mean, it's it's a, it's the plane. It's a pl- it's the Nothing pl- is no. coincidence. I, no, I think that was. But then you have this dramatic music where Donald Trump gets out of the helicopter. Big brassy music, like I mean, it was it was amazing. And then he like, all the family is lined up, and he's talking to uh, to Pence. He takes the microphone and he says, "You know, thank you, everybody. This is really an honor. We're gonna win it all. We're gonna make, make America, America great, great again. again. That's what we want to do. But uh, the last time I got accused of speaking a little bit long, so this time we're gonna speak a lot short." But I just want to introduce... Wrapped it up, okay. handed it over to Mike Pence, and Pence talked for a minute. It is such an honor to join your family, to welcome you to Cleveland. And they went off nicely We're choreographed together. Back on the helicopter? Uh, no, they went off and they, I guess they had like a, like a little event uh, out there with the families. Huh. Yeah. What a day. Yeah. What a day, what a day. So before we go to break, there were some other speakers too, like Scott Walker, who at one point during this election was like the favorite GOP candidate. He I remember spoke those days. Yeah. I saw him in New Hampshire yeah. during his first debut when he was running for president. But, How was uh, he tonight? Tonight? Uh, I mean, he had a little, like, what was his, uh, his device? Because America deserves better. Because America deserves better. America deserves better than that's it. America deserves better. And he led the crowd in this chant. You know, one great fact, though, about him, on you know, until Donald Trump won in New Hampshire, Scott Walker had led for the longest period that. of any single candidate in the state of Iowa for, you know, so he was he was out front. Also, we uh, heard from Marco Rubio, but he was not in the queue. He came to us via video tonight. That's right. Hillary Clinton has spent her lifetime on the inside of a rigged political system that puts special interests ahead of the American people. 
I mean, do you think he has a future political career? What about this? He's I mean, going to he win t- a Senate race, right? We don't know that. No, hold on a but second. But he's up, right? Well, no, but like the thing is, this is a competitive uh, presidential state, and it's very difficult to separate out the presidential contest from the Senate contest. That's why you saw a lot of vulnerable Republican senators not, not here because they're not quite sure how Donald Trump is going to affect them down ballot. So, you know, I, you can't can absolutely not say that Marco Rubio's got it locked up by any stretch. Uh, in Florida, but was he was good? he was well received, especially at the end where he called for unity. The time for fighting each other is over. It's time to come together and fight for a new direction for America. It's time to win in November. Yeah, and then we also heard from Newt Gingrich, introduced by Callista Gingrich. Uh, how was his speech? speech kind of went on a while. Well, you know, uh, and I think a lot of Republicans were kind of like, this isn't like you're not the VP. <laughs> you know? But he did and come out waiting. and he addressed that Cruz Trump yeah. scafu. At he the basically end. said he did have that to sort of bridge the gap. Now, I think you misunderstood one paragraph that Ted Cruz, who was, who was a superb orator, said. And I just want to point it out to you. Ted Cruz said, you can vote your conscience for anyone who will uphold the Constitution. In this election, there is only one candidate who will uphold the Constitution. Of course, the vote your conscience was a rallying cry for the Free the Delegates movement. Huh. So in other news, we did see some of the testiest protests outside the arena tonight, correct? There were some rumors of flag burning. Protesters and counter-protesters assembled. A lot more media than protesters, though. Uh, And there were some arrests, I think less than two dozen. Yeah. I did hear NPR's Kirk Siegler uh, talking on our uh, joint broadcast with uh, PBS NewsHour that a lot of what the police were actually uh, saying was difficult for them was the crush of media that were trying to get pictures and mm. and be involved in the middle of these things. I mean, Sam, you've been in a lot of these lot breaking of news situations. Have you seen situations where the police were trying to keep order, but then the media is sort of in the way, like and we're, they're trying uh, to split things out? Usually in protest situations, it's hard for media to not be in the way. Yeah. Like to get the sound you need, to get the tape you need, you're in the way. So yeah. I can totally see police officers being like, Whoa. Yeah. I mean, that said, there is a right for peaceful protests and a right to record it. So it it, it all must be managed. And it, what I've been uh, pretty happy about is that there hasn't been a lot of violence outside the arena this yeah. week. And Thank we'll goodness. see tomorrow night because Donald Trump is going to be giving the main event, the speech tomorrow night. And that's from you know a lot of protesters. If you're thinking like the night that you want to really be yeah. uh, protesting, it's the day that mm-hmm. the guy that you don't like is talking. I will say all week, though, I have seen... The city of Cleveland have a show of police presence very, very visibly all over the city. I'll see blocks full of police officers on bikes. Uh, on horses. On, on horses, foot. exactly. And so I think they wanted to say before things even started, we're here. Yeah, and I think it seems like they've kept order so far. I mean, how has it seemed to you, Sam, compared to other places, their approach? I have noticed that they've gone out of their way to greet someone like me. And it felt like something that they were trying to do on purpose. Um, So I'm sure that there have been some conversations within Cleveland PD and the other folks that sent in kind of reinforcements uh, that they want to be here in force, but they also want to try to establish some good relations. Cool. Okay. Uh, All right. Time for a quick break. We'll be right back. We'd like to say a quick thank you and share a message from one of our sponsors, United Health Group, who asks, how can we really improve health care? Bring back the house call? 
open walk-in clinics in convenient places, help more moms get prenatal care, or use technology to find insights that lower healthcare costs. Maybe help doctors spend more time with patients, not paperwork. What if we did all of this and more? Because it's all connected to better care, and better care means better health. United Health Group, built for better health. Learn more at unitedhealthgroup.com. Hey, Sarah McCammon here, hanging out at the NPR Filing Center at WCPN IdeaStream in Cleveland during the Republican National Convention. Before we get back to the show, I want to remind you that if you want to hear some great conversations, check out Terry Gross and her interview show, Fresh Air. This week, she's got interviews with the showrunner from HBO's Veep and comic Mike Birbiglia about his new film, Don't Think Twice, which he wrote and directed and produced with Ira Glass those and other interviews on the Fresh Air podcast. Get it on the NPR One app and at npr.org slash podcasts. Okay, back to the show. Okay, we're back. So, you know, on the regular weekly show that we do, we have a segment called Can't Let It Go, when we all share one thing we just cannot stop thinking about this week. Uh, the story of the Trump campaign cannot let go this week seems to be the Melania Trump speech situation. I'm calling it Melania Gate. Uh, today, someone involved in this campaign finally took responsibility. A Trump Foundation speechwriter, Meredith McIver, who is a speechwriter with the Trump Foundation, she said today. Oh that, my gosh, that was today. It was. Like, was today. Or, oh, wow, what a I long know, day. Right? We're anyway. in dog years this week. Anyway, she says that. She was working with Melania on the First Lady speech, and Melania told this speechwriter that she always liked Michelle Obama. Over the phone, she read some passages from Ms. Obama's speech as examples to the speechwriter. The speechwriter says she wrote them down and later included some of the phrasing in the draft that became the final speech, and it was her mistake, and she, quote, feels terrible for the chaos she caused. Uh, yesterday, she said she offered to resign, and Donald Trump said no. So is this finally done? I want this to finally be done. I'm actually over this story. Yeah, I mean, I think it finally put a period on and, and gave us some closure to what actually wound up happening. I mean, we know that they lifted pieces of Michelle Obama's speech. I mean, we can finally say that for sure. She admitted that. And it's, again, another example of this campaign, a non-traditional campaign, not having the traditional safeguards, another big mistake. But also being so non-traditional in just sort of its messaging. I mean, it seems like this would have been a problem that could have squarely been addressed if on day one when these accusations came out, you sort of had put out this press release then. Why all the mixed messages and then, you know, two days, is it two days? later, yeah. two days later. But what has this campaign been if not a series of mixed messages? Yeah, you know what I actually found fascinating talking about mixed messages is in that statement, she notes that she, she liked Michelle Obama, Obama, right? And yeah. like, so a lot of Republicans I, I talked to, were they that rubbed them the wrong way. Can we promise right now to never bring this story up again? <laughs> That's fine by me. (laughs) Okay. The thing I'm not able to let go today, though, was that uh, speaking of more Trump internal stuff since we're at the Republican uh, convention, the uh, New York Times had reported that Donald Trump Jr. had reached out to John Kasich some time ago to say uh, that he wanted him to be the vice presidential Ohio pick. Governor. But Ohio Kasich governor cannot here. stand Donald well, Trump. That's, look, it's politics. He okay? didn't show up at the things, convention. Things can happen in politics. People in his can own change state. their mind. Mm-hmm. And apparently the carrot that he offered was to say that you could run foreign and domestic policy. So then what would Donald Trump well, do? Oh, that was the question. And apparently what the report said was that Donald Trump Jr. retorted, he'll make America great again. 
And now this was something that a lot of people looked at and said, how is that possible? Well, Donald Trump Jr. actually wrote in a statement to CNN, you know the way I conduct myself. Do you really believe I would say John Kasich is in charge of foreign and domestic policy and Donald Trump will focus on making America great again? What am I, a meathead? Oh so, you know, just like so whose version totally, is true? Well, he's saying that he that it wasn't true. I mean, but you know who is very good about keeping things private? Can I say what I can't let go? Yeah, who go I ahead. can't let go? Who? Ivanka. <laughs> so she'll be introducing her dad tomorrow night. I just find Ivanka to be such a super fascinating person, right? She's really tight knit with her dad. She is, you know, perhaps his most influential advisor, confidant on this campaign. She also like starred in her dad's reality show, The Apprentice, back in the day. Uh, but what I think is so interesting is I've been doing a bunch of interviews with young women trying to assess how they feel about this election, and there is the consistent theme I hear from folks who are lukewarm about Donald Trump, and they will say, hands down, my favorite member of that family is Ivanka Trump. Huh. Like she has deep respect and street cred. You know, folks will say, well, he seems blunt and brash. She seems deliberate and careful in her words, and she keeps things private. That's you know, right. She's, are you right about that? And she's a boss. I mean, when she was on The Apprentice, she was very much in charge. She could very yeah. much control the room, and she's disciplined. You know, That's in, a, the in thing. a way, Discipline. unlike her dad is. So I'm curious because I feel like she is has the potential to be the number one surrogate for her dad. And we'll kind of get a glimpse of what she can do tomorrow. Going right? into this convention, I had my eye thinking, if you had to point to a potential breakout star, I thought Ivanka Trump would be the person who we should look at as there's always like one person out of the convention who seems to shine, aside from the person who everyone came to see, which is the nominee. So let's see if she lives up to that. So... Tomorrow night, Trump's speaking, final night of this convention. How do we expect it to play out? Will it be less drama than the last three nights? I feel like that's such a hard <laughs> question to predict, Sam. You're asking us to predict I the I want future. some low drama. <laughs> Call me Mary J. Blige. I mean, did like, you expect, no more the, did you expect the Cruz Trump scafu today? That was uh, that was so, left field for me. I mean, you have to just be ready for anything. You know? I mean, Donald Trump, we're not sure who is going to show up on this stage. I will predict both Donald Trump sh show up on this stage. The two Trumps. You know, the one who sticks to the script somewhat and the one who wants to go off on his own firing up the crowd because he doesn't want to be Mr. Teleprompter shackled uh, you know to those exact words that's not the guy who won over these delegates you know be ready for some surprises and let's see what the what the theatrics here are maybe they bring the pyrotechnics out maybe he does rappel down from the ceiling I think it'll be ceiling. a good show who knows just, just be prepared Trump's gonna come in tomorrow night playing Pokemon Go or something just like <laughs> Just crazy. I don't, I don't think that go over with this crowd. <laughs> All right, time to close this thing up. We're going to end with the thing that I cannot let go this week, uh, the RNC Convention House Band. Hey, RNC, everybody put your fist They have been uh, bringing the funky every night. We say Trump, yeah, Trump, yeah. Everybody in this place, let me hear you say Trump. Okay, that's the wrap. We'll be back tomorrow with another episode. Until then, we remind you to listen to your radio. Stream your local station live online. Go to npr.org slash stations to find your local station. The Pod Squad is going to be all over NPR this week and next. And Chicago, once more, tickets for our live show on August 19th are at nprpolitics.eventbrite.com. We are so excited to see you all there in the home of Kanye. All right, I'm Sam Sanders, campaign reporter. <laughs> I'm Asma Khalid. I cover demographics in the campaign. And I am Domenico Montanaro, political editor. 
thank you for listening to the NPR Politics Podcast. Maybe things to lie by love is a little too country. Let me hear you say, Trump, yeah.